0: Hi there. I'm so glad you're here. I know you're busy and all, what with trying to figure out what the next step is going to be, but I was hoping you could come with me today, just for a little bit, and maybe we could uncover something sacred somewhere in the messy middle. Oh, my name's Barbara Moore, and I'm the in-between. there, and welcome to another episode of The In-Between Preacher. That's me, Barbara Moore. So today we're going to look at a subject that is kind of intense. A lot of people struggle with it. It wasn't exactly what I had planned for this particular episode, but it keeps coming up in the last few days, and so I'm thinking that it's kind of important for us to talk about. What it is, is I want to talk about all the things that you don't know so let me give you a little background on this uh, i had a doctor's appointment the other day routine blood pressure checkup because i have a history of high blood pressure uh, so do my folks etc cetera, etc cetera. and i also have they think it's some carpal tunnel in my hand from writing so much being in grad school journaling and all the things that i do so i was just going in to have some stuff checked out right and I was also very sleep deprived. Uh, My partner had gotten a new job and we've been trying to acclimate to a new sleep schedule. And my mom body just doesn't know that it doesn't have to wake up every time it hears something. So especially within two hours of my alarm going off. So when my alarm is set to go off at 5 a.m. and his alarm goes off at 4 a.m., I lose an hour of sleep. And I'm one of those people and I whole nother episode, but I strongly urge you to learn what your sleep cycles are and how much sleep you actually need and all this sort of thing. I'm one of those people that I need at least eight hours of sleep a night. Eight to nine hours is my optimum. I can do seven to eight and still function properly, but my absolute optimum is eight to nine hours of sleep. My kids are the same way. They require way more sleep than a lot of other kids do. It's just a genetic thing. It's something that we do to take care of ourselves, right? So being a mom for the last 25 years, I wake up when I hear things in the night. Uh, Could be um, a child, an ill child. Could be, God forbid, somebody breaking into the house. My mind can come up with all kinds of fun things that it could be, right? Usually it's just a cat. Uh, this time, it was my partner getting up at 4 a.m., so then I lose that hour of sleep. So for the last few weeks, you know, I hadn't been sleeping well, and so I was just, I think I had about five hours of sleep this particular day, and when I'm sleep-deprived, my emotions just are there. theres I have very little control over them. If you look at me wrong, I burst into tears. If I see something funny, I burst into laughter. If I see something happy and joyful, I burst into tears. It's just, it is, it's there. It's intense. It's across the board. It's not one particular emotion over the other. It's just there. I am acutely aware of them and they are really, really hard to keep in check, And as an empath and someone who feels things very, very intensely, a lot of times my emotions make other people uncomfortable. So at least out in public, I keep them in check quite a bit. But here I am in the doctor's office and I'm just a babbling fool, right? We already know I love to talk. That's one of the things that I do best. This poor nurse, I'd never met her before, so we were talking and talking and talking and we were talking about the COVID-15 because each of us put on 15 pounds in the last six months since COVID hit, right? Now that school's back on and we're getting some structure in the home, I'm looking to eat better and exercise a little more and try to get that weight back off, you know? So we were talking about that. We were talking about my partner's new schedule and we were talking about the kids and so much welling up inside me so much. I didn't say because a lot of times people don't want to hear it. Right. And then my PA comes in, physician's assistant, for those of you that don't know, she's fabulous. I've been seeing her for about two years now. She's seen all of the family members, you know, all the kids, my partner, all of us. She's, she's fabulous. I don't know how one person can know so much about the human body. And I love her to pieces. She's amazing. And so we're talking and I asked her, I said, does sleep deprivation affect your blood pressure as well? And she's like, oh yes, let me tell you. And we chatted about that. And. They ended up getting me a brace for my wrist, and so she went out of the room to go get that and bring it back and, you know, make sure it fit properly and all of that. And I remember just leaning back in the chair and leaning my head back against the wall, staring up at the ceiling. I was just so tired. I wasn't sure how I was functioning. And one of the last things she said to me as I apologized for babbling on was, It's okay you have so much on your plate. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, in the five minutes that we've been talking, I didn't even get through half of it. I have so much on my plate. So then the next day, my partner has a meeting at work and he comes home and he's been let go. Brand new job. Only been there a couple weeks. No explanation. And of course, we live in a right to work state, so they don't have to have a reason to fire him and they don't have to tell him why they fired him. It was two days into his OJT. The gal that he was working with that was training him, she's not a supervisor of any kind. She was doing exactly the job that he was hired to do and he was supposed to shadow her and then she was supposed to teach him things and critique him and you know two weeks of training and then they set him out on his own. Well, near as we can tell, because we don't know. And here's the thing, we don't know. So it's everything we have to go on as an assumption. But he told me about a conversation that this woman and he had, that was it got a little heated, it got a little intense. And she changed her attitude with him after that. She started treating him differently. And was a little more standoffish less friendly of course neither one of them knew each other and she reported back to her boss and he asked his boss who was also her boss if it was about the little argument that they had had and he apologized for the way it came off and he apologized to her for the way it came off that wasn't what he was trying to do but it didn't matter His boss said, you know, she's one of the best employees that we have. So I'm sorry, but this just isn't a good match. It's not going to work. Now, here's what I want to tell you. And I want you to listen to me very, very carefully. And I want you to think about how you might respond if this was you. You see, the night that my partner and his trainer had their little kerfuffle, was the 10-year anniversary of the death of his son. He has been working days for 20 years, and they decided they were going to ask him to work overnights to train, and that was really hard on him to do that. But in addition, it was around 2.30 in the morning that his house burned down. He was awakened to smoke and the fire alarm, and he climbed out the window. The master bedroom was on the main level of the home, and his son and were upstairs. And he climbed out the window, and he pushed his partner at the time out the window as well. They couldn't get to the staircase in the house. They had gotten a ladder. His roommate had gotten down, but his son never came down. So he was going to go back up the ladder, and the fire department stopped him. The fireman wouldn't let him go back up. Just as he realized he couldn't go back up, the house collapsed, knowing his son was still inside. This was 2.33 o'clock in the morning on September 20th, 2010. So on September 20th, 2020, around 2.30, to40 in the morning, he was training on a brand new job with somebody he'd never met before. He doesn't tell his story first. A lot of times, when he does tell his story, people get very uncomfortable. They avoid talking to him after that because they're not really sure how to. There's all kinds of different responses. But usually all of them very, very visceral, very, very deep. And this woman had no idea. She had no idea. So you couple the Sleep deprivation with the trauma of an event like that, and then you expect that person to behave normally. And here's what I want you to think about here's what I want you to stop and consider for a minute. How would you respond in that way? If those were your circumstances, how would you respond? Now, He didn't really seem to be conscious of any irritability or even the date. And he was trying to, I think, just forget about it. You're never going to forget something like that. He lives with that every day of his life. However, you really want to. When horrible, horrible things like that happen, you really want to live without them. You really want to pretend they didn't happen. So he seemed... Pretty good on the outside. Apparently, there was something happening on the inside that was coming out here and there that he wasn't really aware of, but she was. And that's really all that we can think of is that she didn't like his irritability. She didn't like how he behaved. Now, the ironic thing is one of the reasons why he took this job is because he doesn't like to work with people a whole lot. And this job was supposed to be a solo gig. It's It was just two weeks of training with someone else, and then he would be on his own. And he couldn't get through the training for whatever reason. And we're not even sure why. And she didn't stop to ask. And she didn't stop to say why. She just assumed. How many times in your life have you done the same thing how many times have you been driving down the highway minding your own business and somebody comes like a bat out of hell cuts you off in traffic and you know seems very unsafe as driving and you're just like oh my gosh what are you doing and you're swearing at them and your road rage is showing and stop and take a breath for a minute what is their story what if they just found out their mother or father had a heart attack and is in the hospital and probably isn't going to make it for the next 12 hours and they're trying to get there. What if they just found out their spouse was in labor and is having a baby and they're trying to get there? What if they're having a bad day? What if? There are all kinds of scenarios, all kinds of things we could offer. Right? You don't know. And that's the thing is you don't know. So This woman didn't know that she was taking livelihood away from a man who struggles with employment because of severe PTSD and trauma that he has lived through in his life. Yes, we applied for disability. The judge said because you can walk up a flight of stairs and carry a jug of milk, you're fine. You don't get disability. You can get a job. We're still working on that. And if anybody has any suggestions, that's fine. I I would love to hear them for the moment. We do the best that we can day by day. My life is blessed. I am blessed. I tend to see the bright side of things. I want to see the silver lining. I want to see the good because there are good things that come out of tragedies. And, you know, we'll talk about this later if you all want to As my podcast grows and I get more listeners, I'm going to have polls out and ask you all what kinds of things you want to hear, what kinds of things you want to talk about. I'll be doing interviews and getting other people's opinions and insights and skills uh, because we all, all of us have something to learn. All of us have something to give. All of us have something to teach. And I just can't stress that enough when it comes to what you don't know. What don't you know? And do you ever stop to think about what you don't know? I'm just going to bring it back around to kind of what I've been getting at so far the last few shows. I hope you all have learned this about me by now and you'll hear it more and more as you listen. Life is the classroom. Love is the lesson. When you walk around the world, negative, angry, hateful, that's what you see. That's what you get. And Lord knows there is enough negativity and hatefulness on this planet for all of us to see. All you have to do is open your eyes and it's everywhere, especially right now. We're in a political climate. We're rapidly approaching voting day, election day, and it is what it is. And it's everywhere. I don't do social media very much right now. I... I like to do YouTube meditations in the morning. I use YouTube a lot to meditate by, to listen to some of my inspirational things. And it just, the ads make me crazy. So I just don't let them. I don't listen to them. Who you vote for is up to you. Who I vote for is up to me. I hope everyone educates themselves and, and makes their own decision on that based on education in fact, not based on propaganda, because that's what it's about. It's, it's, it's everywhere. The hatefulness is everywhere. We even teach that. We, we teach that you can't always have what you want. And we teach that life really sucks. And we teach that people are crappy. And how often do you hear that kind of thing? And when you pay attention to that, and you walk around the world, You see more and more of that. And so my challenge is when you see people behaving poorly, take a breath, take a step back and think, what don't you know? What don't you know? What is their story? And how can you make a difference? What does love lead you to do? What does love lead you to do? Because when you live from a place of love, that cashier at the grocery store that's being rude and just kind of throwing things in bags and kind of grumpy and and have a nice day and all of that. when you smile at them and say, thank you very much, I hope your day gets better, they go, what? Because all of a sudden, they understand that someone else understands. All too often, we get frustrated with everybody else. We were at the Dollar Tree the other day, my eight-year-old and I, and there was an older couple, probably in their 80s, the way they were talking, in line in front of us, they were actually at the register, and she had written a check, a paper check, okay, nobody writes paper checks anymore, right? So the register was not wanting to read it and the cashier not encountering checks often enough was like, "Oh my gosh, I don't know what to do with this. My manager just stepped out on break. Da da da. There are people in line. What are we supposed to do?" And my daughter had gotten ice cream for a snack. She's like, "Mom, my ice cream's going to melt and blah blah." And she's freaking out and everything, and I was like, "No take a breath. Here's the thing, honey. Those people are having a hard time paying for their order. Now think to yourself, would you be embarrassed? Would you be sad? Would you be frustrated? Would you be mad? How would you feel if you couldn't pay for your order? And she goes, oh, I said, so we are going to stand here and we are going to be patient because your ice cream melting is not nearly as important as those people getting their groceries and moving on, being able to move on with their day. Our happiness, our desires do not supersede their desires, their happiness. They just don't. When you live from a place of love, Yes, your desires, your wants, your needs, who you are as a person is important. And I hope that you fall in love with yourself every day. I do. But our rights, our needs, our wants, our desires stop when they cause someone else pain. When they cause someone else to feel bad. When they hurt someone else, I should say, I guess, because we're all responsible for our own feelings. So I guess let me end with this. What don't you know? What do you assume about other people based on what you don't know? What have other people assumed about you based on what they don't know? And what does love call you to do in response to those things? I mean it. I hope you fall in love with yourself every single day. I hope that you can fall in love with yourself every day. I hope that you can live from that place of love, that you can show compassion to other people, that you can change how you behave based on what you don't know. And I know that when that happens, you will light up the world in a way you never imagined. Thanks for being here today. I love and appreciate each and every one of you. Thanks for sharing a bit of your time with me today. And remember, no matter what you decide to do, I am so grateful for you. My name is Barbara Moore, and if you'd like to connect with me, I'd love to hear from you. You can drop me a note at theinbetweenpreacher at gmail.com. You can reach me on my website, theinbetweenpreacher.com, or my Facebook page, The Inbetween Preacher. See you next time.